Hi, welcome to Breaking Free Podcast, a body, mind, spirit approach to mental health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and today we're going to be talking about nature as healer. I'm so excited to have guests Heidi Broadbent and Shaylin Kessler with us. They are coming to you today as members of the community. Have you guys been listening to the podcast for some time? From the beginning, maybe? Beginning. <laughs> Listen to several episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So Heidi's been part of it, but really, they're the community that they've been part of. Uh, this is an offshoot of Whole Women Link, and I know they're very, they're been very active in that coaching community that that I get to be part of. Um, and we've been talking a lot about nature and using imagery of nature in the healing process. And we just taught a class um, on this very topic, and these women taught that class. And we talked about how we really wanted to bring it to the podcast and the community today. So I'm really excited for you. Um, in the last podcast, we talked about um, healing the mother wound. So if you haven't heard that, and we talked a little bit, a little bit about images of the divine feminine that are in nature. Um, and so this is going to be kind of an expanse, expansive journey of that conversation. And so hopefully, you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to those previous two podcasts, perhaps you can do that. And um, and then we're going to kind of dive in. I'm going to have Heidi start. If you're welcome to introduce yourself in any way that you want to, Heidi. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this kind of precedent of healing in, in nature uh, that's been had. Um, thank you for having us on, Summer. Um, my name is Heidi Broadbent. And I grew up kind of in the, what is commonly known as a dysfunctional home environment. But I always had access to a yard, to green space, um, to open spaces to run and play. And that was, um, I think, part of my resiliency is being able to be outside in light and in nature. And um, yeah, I'd like to, to share some of those stories with, with you all today. Awesome. And, and Shay, since we're just kind of introducing, um, maybe let the community know something about yourself that kind of fits this topic today. Um, my name is Shaylin Kessler, and um, I have been um, a hiker for a number of years. I actually started out um, as a runner in my 20s, and I was, uh, you know, running the road, doing 5Ks, 10Ks, that kind of thing. Um, and I was having a lot of trouble with some injuries, um, mostly like shin splint injuries and things like that. And um, so I had someone recommend that I go out into the woods and run on trails. The, the surfaces are softer and, um, and, you know, maybe I won't be running injured year after year. And so, um, so I, I took to trails, I took to trail running, um, just like a fish takes to water or a tree takes to the, to the woods. And, um, I have never, I've never looked back since. And so I started running trails and, um, really became, um, connected to being in the woods. Uh, I needed that every day in my life. In fact, um, I was raising a, a gaggle of kids and I was a teacher and uh, my entire day was planned around when I was going to get out on a trail and go for a run and be in the woods. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, we moved to um, a really beautiful community in, um, in Washington state called Wenatchee. And we, we lived right in the foothills of the Cascades. And um, I no longer, um, well, I was still running, but not as, not quite as much. Um, I was hiking a lot more because I could do that with friends. And um, so uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, you know, I would grab one of my girlfriends and we would go out and hike. And, um, 
and that's really kind of where I'm uh, at today is just um, being able to get out into the woods as much as possible has been, um, as someone would say, my jam. So. My jam. <laughs> Talking about our jam today. I love this. Yeah, I feel like people getting into nature, I don't think, I think people experienced that during COVID, you know, there were like so many things shut down to us. And um, I feel like we were pushed back outside. And I think that was intentional that we would do that and we would find that connection again. So I think there's something very profound here today. And to just invite the community to kind of feel into that. Um, Heidi, what, why don't you tell us a little bit? I think we, we've been talking about patterns of the precedent, if you will, of people going under trees since like throughout time to seek wisdom. Um, and I know this is something Heidi loves to read. She's one of my favorite book hoarder friends. <laughs> like we pass books back and forth, don't we? Right. Like things that we're interested in. And she's always ahead of me in reading. I'm not competitive about that at all. <laughs> um, but I love her knowledge found in these types of things. And so I wonder if you could share maybe just some of the things you've learned about how people see things under trees. Yeah. Um, just, I like, I like myself to go outside and ponder. Um, and I've pondered about, written about, um, thought about how throughout time we've had so many, you know, our, our poets and our prophets and our visionaries have these experiences in nature, in a garden or under a tree. I think of, um, you know, the Garden of Eden and Mother Eve, you know, her choice set into motion um, birthing humanity and, um, you know, Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane and the symbolism there. Um, Buddha and his experience under a tree and Mohammed, um, Joan of Arc was in her father's garden when she had her first vision. Um, Isaac Newton, you know, there's the, the folk tale of him sitting under a tree. I don't know that he was actually sitting under a tree, but he did see an apple fall from a tree and he had this thought, you know, why does it always fall down? And so these, you know, <laughs> ideas of gravity and yeah. um, Joseph Smith had his first vision in a, in a grove of trees and, you know, Mer Moses with the burning bush just um, so many important, significant things um, happen outside in nature, in a garden, under trees, among the trees. Um, I think there's a lot of um, wisdom off offered there. And there's something to be said, I think, for quiet pondering in nature, where you can really connect to the spirit, to source, whatever your source is, um, you know, connect to God and learn, learn from, from mother nature. That's so been my experience that um, when I need true wisdom, I kind of just need to get outside, get in quiet, uh, get out of the, I call it the concrete jungle, right? Get out of kind of man-made things and get back into nature seems to just be this beautiful image of the divine for all of us. And there are things I can see there that I don't see and maybe how we're operating, right? And, and, and I think as people, we operate in imbalance a lot and I think nature has its own unique rhythms and balance and it kind of helps bring us back into that balance at least that's been my experience what do you what do you ladies think I was thinking earlier um, about how I started out as a child in the woods and climbing trees and and just you know playing in in the, in the woods and then there's this this period of time in life where it gets really busy and um, 
sort of urban, even, even if I live like, you know, in the country or I live in a suburban neighborhood or whatever, um, it, there's this, um, this separation, I guess, from, from nature, because there's so many other things going on. There's this, this life thing that we need to do. And, and, you know, it, it's carpool and it's, you know, um, jobs and college and whatever, you know, all those things that happen and making breakfast and dinner and, and cleaning house and, you know, um, and it's been, um, such a wonderful gift to kind of be able to go back into nature a little bit after, you know, some of that has gone on, all of that busy has gone on and, um, and then sort of unearth myself, um, and, and realize that, you know, I was kind of, um, kind of underneath this, this different life, um, for so long, um, and, and in really positive and good ways and, you know, much of that, um, tremendous gifts, but, um, but to finally be able to hear away from the noise of all of that, some of the, some of the information, some of the answers to questions, um, some of the messages that I didn't even know I had questions to, um, are coming from going back into the woods and, and putting my feet in the soil and, and those kinds of things and um, recognizing that there was so much more learning to do or there is so much more learning to do when I go into nature and receive it. Um, and, I, and I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate it sort of recognizing that, that there was a departure from that for a while and now stepping back into it, um, there's this really beautiful cycle going on where sometimes I go out and I ask and then I receive and it's just this really sweet dance that's going on in the trees right now. I, really I see, love. I hear some patterns. I just want to bring our attention to you. One of them being going, coming back to oneself, right? We often mm -hmm. think of healing as becoming something different, mm -hmm. but I think what really I've learned in this healing process is it's about going back to that true original nature or the roots of oneself um, rerooting in our, the truth of who we are in God or how we, the divine, and then growing from that place. And I don't think root work's always easy, right? Cause yeah. there's some shedding that needs to happen That's in order to shed things maybe that we picked up that aren't of us. And I think that you're speaking to that, but usually the truth of things are found in its, its roots, if you will. Right. I like that you said going back to nature yeah. or going back to our nature in nature <laughs> our actual nature yeah i think that we all have a true nature and then we have our false natures right our right. our masks if you will that we wear that we learn to wear maybe to stay safe or secure or accepted or whatever validated i think as humans we do that and so um i think nature encourages us us to to be naked to be barefoot like you know we were talking about this heidi these images right to just let go of all the things that we're holding on to that are not truly of us and to just truly be our, our true selves before God without being ashamed of it, you know? So it's a beautiful image to think of that. Okay. So the next topic, I think, did you have something, Heidi, you want to share there before we move on to the, well, I, I really like what Shay said about this dance that we do. Ooh, yes. The dance. Mm -hmm. Um, about close to a year ago, I um, came to the realization that I needed to, um, or that I was and am transitioning in my life. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 45, I'm not 
having children anymore um and kind of I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a midlife crisis a midlife crisis but just kind of contemplating um what's my role you know I'm so used to being in this role of mother and creating and birthing and so I I, I kind of felt like I needed to have a mourning period and a transition um coming out of that and into a new phase of my life and so I decided that I needed to dance across a bridge <laughs> as kind of the symbolism of a transition because life is all about transitions and change, right? And we see that in the cycle of nature all around us. There's constant change, constant rebirth. And so um, a friend of mine, she does have a bridge across a creek. And so I asked her, you know, can I use your bridge? And I kind of made this little ritual for myself. And um what it was is that I, it, it was Mother's Day and I took myself to this bridge and I felt like I should sit in the middle of the bridge. And, you know, I had some notes and some stories. I had been reading the story of Persephone and Demeter and um, also about Hecate and her role in mythology um, as the, the goddess of the crossroads. And she has her keys and her torch. And so I was sitting in the middle of the bridge and I you know, kind of dance myself there and said a prayer. And I looked up and right over me was this kind of mother feminine tree, this mulberry tree, which is one of my favorite trees um, from my childhood. And the form of this tree was she has this shoulder that's kind of broken, but this enormous branch or arm that um, was it's so long that it, it went all the way the length of the, the bridge and pointed to the other side of the bridge, kind of pointing me in my direction of, of this transition of the way that I needed to go. Um, and I was mourning because I didn't know I would be done so soon having children. I wanted to have more children and I wasn't able to. And so I was kind of saying goodbye to that part of myself, but this mother tree, this branch, um, was showing me, you're still going to be a mother. You're still going to be a co-creator. You're still going to birth things. You're going to birth stories and you're going to birth this new career. Um, I'm currently studying master gardening and horticultural therapy. And ultimately my goal is to be able to um, facilitate other people experiencing healing in nature and um, how that can help us in all dimensions of our lives. And so there's this really sacred experience of um, being in nature, feeling like this tree was pointing um, me in the right direction to cross this bridge, to cross this path, to make this transition and to still be able to, you know, birth beautiful, wonderful things. I love that. I love that. Especially the concept of birthing things. Cause I, I was just talking to a woman recently. She'll know who she is that, who's going to be giving birth actually. And I said, we were just talking about the process of that. And I was like, you know, we all birth things. It's like, it's been 10 years since I birthed anything, literally <laughs> my baby's 10. But I said, I still feel that need. I think women feel that things come up in them. I mean, you feel that, right. It comes up in you and you're like, there's the pressure of that. Like, I just need to birth this thing, whether it's to write it down or get it out of our throats, speak it out loud to create a ritual, you know what I mean? Things need to be birthed in us. And I think, um, 
I, I don't hear men talk like that much, but I do hear women talk about that a lot. And I think that just that that common experience and whether they've birthed or not, whether they have a womb or not, whether they have ever born children, this is just something that's within us in that nature. It's not about physically being mothers, I don't believe, because I think women who don't have children also birth beautiful things and yeah, nurture absolutely. things. And I think we need to speak to that too and have just as much value um, especially, you know, I think of my adoptive mothers, you know, never had that opportunity too, but um, it's, it's an important thing that we do. We birth things. things yeah. Let's talk about mother earth is healer. Cause that's kind of what our earth is nature is healer. I think that there's this mother earth concept, right? Each one of you mentioned to me that you have kind of maybe a story you want to share from your childhoods about how earth has kind of been a nurture to you and I'll put it in trauma terms when neglect was present, right? When there was neglect or abandonment or, you know, lacking of nurture, how nature kind of filled in those gaps for you. Heidi, do you mind, uh, or I said, if you mind, Shay, we begin with whoever. Okay. Yeah, Shay, I just think we'd heard from Heidi, so maybe Shay, okay. would you like to continue, you know, talk about that? Um, yeah, so, and I kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but um, in my, so I, my, I was raised in a military family. It's a small family, but um, certainly had um, some difficult dynamics that went on. And my dad was gone a lot because he was out to sea. And then when we were together as a, as a family, um, it just, you know, some um, tough energy, just uh, tough dynamics that, that um, came about a lot of, you know, a lot of the time. And um I remember I was, I was thinking back to like, when was the first time I felt really connected to, um, to trees and to, um, to the earth. And, um, I was six years old the first time that I, and I can go back now and just, I can actually see myself in that moment. Um, I, walked myself to school every day. Uh, we could do that when we were, uh, you know, we were living in a small town back in the seventies. And, um, and so I walked myself to school and I, my mother would put on this little yellow raincoat and a little yellow rain hat and yellow rain boots. Yellow was my favorite color. Then it is my favorite color now. Um, and, um, I, it, it was Oregon. It was coastal Oregon. And it, so it rained a lot. The, the woods were always wet. The, you know, there was, there was always dew dripping from the, the pine needles and or fir trees and cedar. And, um, and I would tromp to school. And, um, and I remember this one specific time, I don't know what had happened at home, but I got into the woods and I felt, um, an overwhelming love and belonging there, a connection to myself and to, and to being. And, and, um, I know that when I was six years old, I didn't recognize that that's what it was. I know I was singing, I was humming, I was happy. Um, and I felt so embraced and safe in that moment. Um, and it just, it just struck me as I thought about it now, um, how that moment, um, set in motion for me, um, it planted a seed that I would always be able to go into the woods and go to trees and find myself again, find the little girl that was happy and humming and singing and find my answers and find my belonging and find my connection. So, um, whenever, whenever I'm feeling lost, 
um, I, I know I can go there. I know I have a home to go to. Um, and that, um, that just always has stuck with me. And maybe that's why yellow is my favorite color even today. I don't know. <laughs> so much beautiful symbolism there, finding that inner child. Mm -hmm. I love that. What about you, Heidi? So, um, as I kind of hinted at, um, I was born into a situation where there was a lot of tragic trauma, a lot of sadness, a lot of dysfunction. Um, I feel like my first memory, I don't know if it's actually, it's actually a memory or just because I have a photograph of it, but I feel like my first memory is when I'm an infant and I'm outside and my in a car seat on one of those like 70s uh, lawn chairs that made out of like different color vinyl. <laughs> and I'm under a giant ash tree and there's this light just I'm like bathed in light and I just realized a few months ago that um, I'm actually crying in the picture and so it's kind of it's symbolic to me of um, just the situation I was born into where you know I'm, I'm crying and my nervous system is probably very sensitive and activated but I'm in this light and I'm outside under this tree and that yard that was that's my grandfather's yard um we lived there much of my childhood. He had an acre in Fresno. Um, and there were trees all over the property. And I would name them and play under them. I would, you know, take the water hose and sing into the water hoses, my microphone under the willow tree. Or there was this um, wisteria overhang that I named Arlena's Tunnel. And I would go through the tunnel to the backyard. And that's where all the magic happened in the backyard. There was a walnut tree next to the garage and that was my sacred like um, sanctuary place and I put up a sign on the walnut tree that said no smoking you know no no dysfunctional grown-ups allowed in my safe space <laughs> and then a little beyond the the walnut tree was this ancient enormous mulberry tree it's still there and we would get you know the purple hands and the purple feet and we would um, you know we wanted to be outside you know I was mentioning the summer before that inside it was just dirty and gross and you know weird people and <laughs> dysfunctional grown-ups and there you know cockroaches crawling in our cereal and things and so we got outside and we'd eat the sour grass and we would eat the almonds or we would eat the mulberries and I had this sense of I was being nurtured by nature that you know mother nature was mothering me and taking care of me and that was my safe space and I felt empowered. I felt independent. I felt free. Um, and um, later on, my mom, we basically ran away from my dad. But the place we ended up moving to was another place where we had, I had seven acres. And in my backyard was a mountain. And that was one of the other places where I felt autonomy and empowerment, that I could take myself up to this mountain and, you know, jump over hot wire fences and dodge bulls and, you know, whatever. Uh, but just being in that safe space of nature and having these trees um, that physically and spiritually protected me and nurtured me. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, even though there was a lot of trauma, there was high resiliency. And I think part of that is because I had this backyard, I had this access to outdoor space. Um, my hope is to one day be able to, you know, enable other children who are at risk to have access to green spaces, to nature, yes. to a yard. Yes, to that. They've done lots of studies on inner city you know, gardens. And um, I was recently, I think it was a story my friend sent, 
basically how the kids would come work the garden and it was like that's where they got their food and their purpose and this man was like you know losing money on this on this gig but he was like you don't understand like this has to happen this is how these children are fed this is how they this is their safe place and he understood that and um just i've thought a lot about that too the necessity for green spaces right we all need them well, Heidi, what what you were just talking about with the resiliency um, of having having that those nurturing spaces mm-hmm. to escape to, um, it, it reminded me um, we lived in Colorado and and we um, we actually lived out in Peyton, which was out on the plains, and we were right up against Black Forest. And while we were there, there was a huge fire. Um, mm-hmm. It took out about three hundred homes um, and acres and acres of forested land in the Black Forest. Um, that's there, just butted right up against the plains. And um, the next, so that trail that I was running that was closest to my home, it's a four mile loop trail. Um, it was closed for uh, an entire season. Um, and then they reopened it again the next spring. And I remember being completely overwhelmed when I went back in to run. The grass was taller than I had ever seen it the wildflowers were more numerous than they, they had ever been. Um, there were some trees that had been taken out because of the fire that now we could see Pike's Peak in, an, in a completely different direction while we ran, ran the loop. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, this is what nature does in her fires. Mm. She makes so much beauty in those ashes. <laughs> yeah. And so the opportunity for children, for us as adults to go out into the woods, she's teaching us that resiliency. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons why you had it, because you had a teacher there showing you how to be resilient in, in the face of really difficult, a really difficult environment. Um, so much of, of the woods is underground. 50% of what's going on in a forest is happening in the earth. It's not happening where we can see it. It's happening in the soil. And um, so that's a lot of, about our life too, right? Like, you know, so much of what's going on is either inside or it's quiet behind closed doors and nobody really knows. And, and um, the resiliency that, that nature can teach us to rise above that, to come up out of those ashes and, and, and be born anew time after time after time. She doesn't give up. She doesn't quit. She keeps doing it. And, and sometimes in just like utter devastation, she brings up something that's more beautiful than you ever thought possible. And it's such a good lesson for us to learn in our deep, dark devastation. So much that, that. Um, I, I saw that just this last year, there, there were the big wildfires up by where my mom lives. And I went home that year to visit and there were more wildflowers than I'd ever seen. And I was crying at the, the joy and the beauty of seeing all these flowers. I like how you brought up, um, you know, the ashes and the soil. Um, that was one of the other things that we ate was dirt. <laughs> we would make mud pies and play in the mud. And we actually, I, I remember tasting the dirt. And, you know, years later, I laughed with my sister because I read this article about how 
soil has, you know, um, antidepressant properties in it. And I was like, that's why we ate the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) The medicating. (laughs) I love it. Oh my goodness. Isn't it amazing how, if we learn to follow our souls, our instincts, right? We like, we follow this internal guide that we find the things that we need. And I think we like turn those off because no, it's supposed to come from this or that, right? Our ego tells us a very different story. We don't have time for nature. It's not that important, you know, or whatever, right? There are these stories that I think we tell ourselves. So I think this is beautiful. Um, I would love you guys. I talk about maybe some of the healing that you've had maybe in your adult lives too with earth a little bit, and then maybe talk, uh, maybe tie in some of the practices that you've used. Cause I think you've taken this wisdom that earth has given you throughout your lives. It looks like it's always been there for you. It's part of your, it's part of your wisdom truth. Yeah. It's in your DNA. And now you're, it sounds like you're moving into just like we do. We learn and then we teach, we learn and then we teach. Right. And so maybe this is your opportunity to share some of that wisdom with those who have yet to find nature as healer for themselves. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with, um, I started to love to garden, um, when my kids were small and I just became obsessed with plants and gardening. And, um, when we moved from the Bay area here to El Dorado Hills, where we live, um, my goal was to make a, a garden. I was so excited to make a garden. And I, one of the reasons I love gardening is because every time I go out into the garden, I learn something. Mother nature teaches me something about life, about myself. And um, during the pandemic, I noticed that when I was inside and cooped up, I was depressed. But if I went outside into the garden, my mood completely changed. And the, the thing that I physically did was I dug and I dug and I dug. I, um, I had my headphones on, I listened to Harry Potter <laughs> and I dug by hand, probably like 12 garden beds in the hard clay soil where we live. And it was so therapeutic. And um, one of the things that I saw in the soil were all the different colors, um, pale sand, um, you know, brown, rich hummus, uh, humus, I mean, um, compost, and um, there was black soil and red soil. And I had the thought, this is us, you know, we're all of the dust of the earth. We're all one. We're all humanity. We're all connected. Um, we're all God's children. Um, and one of the days I was out there, kind of, you know, looking out into the garden and seeing all the work that I did, that it was kind of this excavation that was also going on inside me doing this, you know, inner work. And I said a prayer and I said, you know, Heavenly Father, what am I supposed to be doing with my life right now? And the answer came to me, you're going to be some kind of garden therapist, which is how I started my journey to become a horticultural therapist. But that physical digging in the garden or hoeing or whatever it is, um, if you have a lot of energy or nervousness or anger, that's a great practice. Go out and dig, you know, go out and pull up the weeds or, you know, if there's something you want to, um, a, a habit you want to change, go pull weeds, you know, and just let the rhythm of what you do in the garden match your own self in your own rhythms and see what mother nature has to teach you. So I, I'm a big advocate of gardening to um, 
for therapy, for learning about yourself, for learning about life. And um, so that's that's one of my favorite practices is um, is just gardening, going outside, um, going on walks, or working in my garden. I imagine if you're like me and you have a plant that you inherited from a client, which I do. <laughs> um, and I wonder, I've had to learn how to, it's been interesting mirror to me to learn how to water this plant on a regular basis and take care of it and not overwater it or underwater it. And how that's been such a mirror to me of how I need to be with summer, right? Like summer needs to be watered right. <laughs> as well as other people. <laughs> and she needs to not be like overly watered. It's not all about summer. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I take, you know, it's this balance between giving and receiving, you know, and this plant has been showing me that. So if you're like me and, and the garden feels a little overwhelming, you can get a plant just a plant. <laughs> and the plant is in my, it's in my kitchen next to my sink. So I can't forget about it. It's right there. It's, it has a name anyway, that's a thing, but my client named it. So I just, you know, continue to name it the same and cool. it's awesome. <laughs> and, and plants are like people, right? Some yeah. plants, if you, if you overwater them or give them too much attention, it's going to wilt them and kill them. Right. Yeah. Um, we've noticed. Are introverts. Yep. And some plants are, you know, more high maintenance or some plants need <laughs> more shade. Some plants need more light, just like people. Right. And mm -hmm. they, you know, different plants kind of go together and it totally makes sense to me what you're saying and I think I think we have to start where we are what about what about you Shay? um well so certainly as an adult one of my coping mechanisms for for many years was to go out and trail run that was just um that was my drug of choice if you will um it was it was the way that I just managed all of the stress and and things that were going on in my life um what it did for me later on um, was what, or what it's doing for me now is that it, um, I know that it's there for me, which is really important right now. Um, I, I don't access it as much as I would like to, but I understand I'm able to give myself a little bit of compassion about that, that it, that I am in this process of, um, I guess, birthing myself, um, which I haven't ever done before. Um, I, you know, I was a very young mom. I started, I started um, raising children um, when I was 17 years old. And I raised uh, four children from, you know, 17 until, uh, well, they're all, I guess they're all raised now, but um, sometimes it still feels like even when you have adult kids, you're still parenting them a little bit. Um, but uh, when, um, in 2014, I was teaching and I, I came home to be with my, my youngest son um, who has, who had Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And, um, and so, you know, I was, I was with him every day and um, nurturing and, and spending time with him. Um, when he passed um, in 2020, um, I had been kind of disconnected from my, my ability to go out into nature and, and to be in the woods and that kind of thing. Um, and a couple of my, my friends uh, took me on a, a road trip to Arizona and we went to Sedona. And one of the goals that we had while we were there was to look for vortex trees. Um, you know, there's this um, 
this understanding that vortex trees have this very special energy and um and we're in arizona we're in the desert where you know there's not a lot of trees out there um but we went on these hikes and you know we would point them out and take pictures of them and and um one particular hike that we actually weren't even going to do um but we happened to find the trailhead really quickly um we jumped out and we went on this hike and found this absolutely amazing the biggest vortex tree we saw in in all of the hiking that we did and there was a, a flat rock that sat underneath it and um i had it had been uh, just just a little over a year uh since brennan had passed and i sat under that tree and one of the things that i really like to do in nature is i like to try to find my center i like to um just have some time to really um, think about being rooted in the soil. I picture myself growing roots into the soil and I picture my, my, the top of my head reaching up into the sky, up into um, my source, my, you know, love and light and that kind of thing. So I like to do that. And so I said, I'm going to sit on this rock and I'm going to do that. I'm going to grow roots into this rock and through the soil. And I'm going to reach up into uh, the heavens for the love and light. And, uh, and the most amazing experience of going on a journey in space as I'm as I'm doing this breathing and um, and finding a golden strand that um, reached across space. There wasn't anything else in space but this golden strand, and finding my son at the end of that. And um, again my entire life going into the woods was for connection. And so being able to sit under this tree and find a connection that I was really missing was um, a really powerful moment for me because I felt as though this place, this, this place in nature under this tree was reminding me that the connections are always there if I just go and seek them. And so um, it's been such a, a source of strength and comfort for me to know that when, I, when I'm ready, whenever I need to, I can go out and seek for that, um, that connection in nature. And it's already there. It's just waiting. It's just waiting for me to go and find it. Um, and uh, the answers to whatever questions I might have, the, um, the desires of my heart will be there, the answers will be there. Um, I just really appreciated that moment when nature said, the connection's already there and it's always there. Um, that's been uh, just an amazing um, revelation, I guess, from from mother nature to me, an answer, uh, a way for her to tell me um, in all the ways that mother's mother, you know, that, um, that she's, always that she's there. there, that she's there. And you're always connected to the, in love mm -hmm. to all people. Yeah. I love the love is always there. And Heidi had the same experience as she was digging in the dirt and seeing the layers and recognizing that we're all of the dust and that we're all connected. I think it's interesting and I, we're gonna run out of time here, but how we kind of come to this place of the divine union, right? Between all people and nature brings us back, right? I think we saw that 
I saw that, and I guess I'll speak from my experience during COVID when this virus went throughout the whole world and all of a sudden it was like, hey, we're all connected in this world. We all are experiencing this thing together, right? And there was this almost unity that came up. I, you saw a lot of people coming together in unity because we were suffering through the same thing together in a new way. And I think there were some beautiful lessons in that. And I think, I believe that separation is what causes our anxiety and depression and that union, it was what heals us um, truly. Union within ourselves and union between ourselves, I think is the, is the, the divine message of, the, of all things, right, to us. And I think all religions speak to this but nature is such a beautiful mirror of that divine truth. So any last comment from both of you, last thoughts you want to share? I'd like to share a quote from the book, What a Plant Knows. Ooh, cool. Um, I just read that. I just read this this week. Um, it's talking about how, you know, humans, we have like four photoreceptors, but plants can have up to 11. You just see all these colors in this light. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about um, how plants, they can't move around to seek for their, their source and their nurture like we can because they're, you know, they're rooted, they're in one place. And he says, um, to compensate for this sessile life, this you know, rooted in one place life, plants must have the ability to seek out and capture light. That means they need to know where the light is. And rather than moving toward the food as an animal would, a plant grows towards its source of energy. It grows towards that light. And I thought that was such a beautiful metaphor. You know, all things point to divinity, to God. Everything in nature has a message. And one of the things that we can learn from plants, from flowers, is to seek out the light and grow towards it. And I feel like um, that's been kind of my theme this last year is um, growing so that, you know, the fruit that I bear, I can share with others. And I saw that modeled for me in nature with trees as a child and want to um, give that back to other people, be like the flowers, be like the trees. I love that. What about you, Shay? I, I have this quote from uh, Khalil Gibran that keeps running through my head, but I know I'm going to just kind of jack it up because I'm not, I don't know the exact words, but it's something about how nature delights to um, feel our feet and the wind uh, seeks to just play with our hair. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have the exact words, but um, for me, I've always felt like that's what happens when we go into the woods is there's this, this delight. Um, nature wants my feet there and my feet want to be there and, um, and play with my hair, you know, and um, it's your yellow child. It, it absolutely is. And um, she likes to be playful. Absolutely. I think we all have to find our inner passion and in play. I think that's one of the things that nature brings us back to. I think we get heavy. I think the world feels heavy. We get weighed down by all the heavy and we forget that nature is abundant. You're supported. It doesn't have to be so heavy and we can play our way to healing. We really can like you did in the backyard. I, I, I won't share mine, but I have many, many stories of being in nature and hanging in trees and it's, it's the same, right? But they were playful moments. Mm -hmm. They were playful moments of freedom and releasing and, and, um, and painful too, right? Like there was pain that was being released, but 
children, I'm a play therapist, I'm a trained play therapist, and they often, they play their way to their healing, you know? I think children know how to do that, and I think we've forgotten that. So sometimes you just have to follow your gut. Like, what do you want to do? What do you feel drawn to, right? Do you want to put a plant in your window? That was about where I'm at, okay, right? Do you want to build a, a, a garden in your backyard? 12 of them, apparently, Heidi, good job, right? <laughs> And I love the idea of a trip to Sedona with my girlfriend. That sounds (laughs) fabulous. Let's do that. Yes. So I invite all of you that are listening to just think about what came up for you. um, What do you feel drawn towards? Maybe listen to that voice. And and nothing else. Heidi always says, you got to get outside. She's always telling us that we need to get outside. Go play outside. Go play outside. So thanks so much for listening today. And I hope that you will find more healing in nature. And we'll talk to you again soon.